You hear that, Rowdy? Hear that? That's the sound of the Bucks getting spanked last night by the Boston Celtics. Damn! Damn! A barrage, another barrage of three-pointers for the Boston Celtics. This uh, time, they just happened to go in. They had a kind of, they tied a playoff career for the franchise, the Boston Celtics, that is. 20 three-pointers. Swish after swish after swish after swish after swish. It was a barrage. The first half of that game at TD Garden was an absolute ass-whooping of biblical proportions. A spanking, if you will. Of the Milwaukee Bucks, my God, 109 to 86. It was a dismantling rowdy, but here's the thing. Who won game one? Well, yeah, that was, we had our uh, okay. resident morning, Celtics fan, Paulie, messaging us pretty much all game. I, saw, I noticed that. He was relatively quiet game one. Yeah. But uh, what, <laughs> I very messaged, quiet game one. what I messaged him back was <laughs> at the end, because I don't know what you were doing, but I was busy for at least half of the game. And was doing some things once I got home, so I kind of had it on his background music the whole time. Yeah. Well, I was watching. It was just advantage. Still Milwaukee. They went into Boston and won a game. Yes, now they, they did. head back to Milwaukee. I know. If you were, to, if I were to tell you before this series started, that would be a one apiece coming out of Boston and going back to Milwaukee. I think everyone would take it for yeah, Bucks fans. especially after what you saw the Boston Celtics do to the Brooklyn Nets. And with the Milwaukee Bucks losing their second best player in Chris Middleton, yep. if you were to say they go on the road to the TD Garden, you go one and one, and you're coming back to the Pfizer, I think everyone would take it. All day and twice on Sunday. It's officially a series, though. It is. Because yeah. it's officially a series when? because we saw the road team win a game. That's right. And... The Celtics came back, made some adjustments, hit some shots, and it's 1-1. Yeah, so they always say it's not a series until someone wins on the road. Well, it was immediately a series then in Game 1 because the Bucks did win Game 1. They spanked the Celtics at TD Garden, and then the Celtics spanked them a little harder at TD Garden. Well, how about the fact that now they don't play till Saturday? I know, Saturday, what is it, is it uh, 2.30, I think, tip-off is? Uh, Saturday. Today is Wednesday. I, never, I thought it was Thursday this morning for a second. I know my days are all. I finally had good sleep last night for the first time, and well, but since before my bender that was rowdy. How about did you finally get some good sleep under your belt? Uh, not really. You didn't kick the. I'm still waiting. Kicked. <laughs> when's that come for you? Saturday, Friday night. Friday night, probably into Saturday morning. <laughs> when you don't have to get up at uh, you know the butt crack of dawn. All right, so yes, it is a series now. It was just a uh, dude. Jalen Brown was absolutely unstoppable. In the first half, he had 25 of his 30 points uh, in the first half for the Celtics. And they just they just throttled them, man. There were little moments in the second half where maybe the Bucks could have cut it a little. I mean, they were never going to win the game, but maybe cut it and make it, you know, somewhat respectable. It never really happened. though. Well, what happened in game one for the Milwaukee Bucks? They shot the ball extremely well. Yeah. Giannis played decent. And they rolled the Celtics because the Celtics couldn't make any shots. Yeah. They took fifty-three pointers in Game One. Fifty could not make, could hardly make any. At forty-three last night, twenty the, of them. They and made. the Bucks completely dominated in the paint. Then you fast forward to Game Two. Once again, Bucks Bucks controlled the paint, but the Celtics hit all their open shots. Giannis stunk. The Bucks the Bucks did not shoot the basketball very well, and Giannis had, in my opinion even though statistically it was probably pretty close His, to the same. The first half was terrible. Just he wasn't that good. And when you're, especially when you're missing your number two, Giannis has to be the one to step I mean, up. He's the number one. Yeah, Giannis had 27 shots. He had 28 points, but 23 of the 28 were in the second half. Giannis, the first half of Giannis was terrible. He was terrible. If you, if you look statistically at his numbers, he was maybe just a slightly worse than game one, but the guys around him made zero shots and you need Giannis to play better. Yeah. I mean, you can look at the stats. You can say, yeah, there's just that if you want, if you have eyes, which yeah, Rowdy and I both do. I mean, in the first half, the bucks were just all out of sorts, especially Giannis. Giannis was like, Giannis was missing everything. I think he only had uh, by the halfway through the second quarter. He only had one. He's one of eight. I do believe. And it was a dunk. That was about it for Giannis. And then uh, to follow that up, Drew Holiday also didn't shoot the no, ball too he, well yeah, either. He didn't. He didn't. It was it was just an off night for the Milwaukee Bucks. It looked it looked like a lot of shades. I mean, 
I mean, just look at the plus minus, dude. No one was a plus for the deer. They just got absolutely manhandled. Then you go look at the Boston Celtics. Literally everyone was a plus besides Pritchard, who was a minus two. And what name is Pritchard? Um, you know, whatever. So you look at the deer, dude. It was a very abysmal first half. But the offense for the Boston Celtics was completely different from game one than it was game two. And they were talking about that a lot on the broadcast. It was, you know, in the first half yesterday for game two last night, tons of ball movement for the Boston Celtics. They were just, it was like the Harlem Globetrotters out there of them just with the kinds of dishes they were doing. And then Jalen Brown was hitting every shot. Jalen Brown, Rowdy, was unconscious. Again, you get the win in the razor's edge. What, what, what was it? Three-pointer? Three, Over three, two and a half three-pointers for Jalen Brown. He cashed that with like two His minutes. His first in, three three-pointers. Yeah, <laughs> Rowdy cashed the razor's edge bet there with like three minutes into the first quarter. Of the game, Jalen Brown went unconscious. The Bucks had no answer for him. Uh, you had Jason Tatum doing his thing as well. He started the first half five for five from behind the arc. He was, you know, he was insane. I mean, Jalen Brown was everywhere, dude. He was crazy. He was just swish after swish after swish. And then the second you half. You hate to see it unless it's a night where you have his over in threes. <laughs> exactly. It, weren't you in a conversation with I someone? I was in a conversation there? with a buddy, and he goes, so, like, are you not rooting for the Bucks tonight? And I said, Bets first, Bucks second. Well, what did you say in uh, the Razor's Edge rowdy? It was I'm rooting for the Bucks tonight. Go Bucks! But go Jalen Brown shooting threes. I'm also rooting for Jalen Brown to score. You just wanted to have three three pointers. That was it. That's all we needed. Yeah, it's not like Rowdy wanted the six of them. He wanted just three of them. So yeah, it, listen, this is the NBA, and we saw this last year with the Milwaukee Bucks. Do you remember how many times we fired Mike Budenholzer in the course of the playoffs last year? Still wouldn't have extended them. <laughs> If you go and watch the Bucks last year, which I'm sure all of you did that are listening here, because yeah, we watched them, you know, go on to win an NBA championship. There were games, games when they got absolutely just spanked, like last night, and then they'd come back and do some spanking again. So it's the NBA playoffs are such a crazy roller coaster. I mean, usually they're the close, contentious games, but sometimes you just get the ass whooping, and then you got to go out and whoop some ass again. The next game, and the next game, I guess, is going to be game three on Saturday as the series does shift to the Pfizer form. I mean, Rowdy, Boston made 23 pointers. That was the most in Celtics play of history. Milwaukee, you know how many three pointers they made? Three. They made three well, three the pointers. Thing. The Bucks didn't shoot the ball well. When you shoot, when you shoot three of eighteen, which is about sixteen percent from three, and then you have Boston, who once again shot a ton of three pointers, forty three to be exact, and made twenty of them, shooting at over forty six and a half percent. And you didn't get a very good performance or a very good uh, efficient performance from your best player, and your number two's out, and you're on the road. Good luck trying to win. Good luck being competitive. Yeah, exactly. Giannis was Giannis was tough for the first half. I mean, the whole team was tough. Bucks didn't shoot it from behind the arc well. They really they didn't shoot it from the line very well. And that's no. more or less looking at Giannis, who they didn't do anything well really yesterday. And, but yet at the same time, at the end of the game, he had twenty eight points, nine rebounds, seven assists. Yeah, in the third quarter, Giannis started just. Giannis started imposing his will in the third quarter. The Greek freak was showing up. Uh, by the end of the third, he was just like dripping in sweat like gas, just sucking air. Uh, but Giannis did say he loves feeling beat up after the game. Too many turnovers, though. Yeah, it was. It was just one of those games. I mean, I figured, what did we get? You got a message, um, I think it was after the show, or right as the show was concluding yesterday, Rowdy. One of our awesome listeners, uh, Craig. Craig, was, he had a bet. Did he message you, cash it, Celtics are going to win by 10-plus tonight? Yeah, so he tweeted at me, and he said, at Rowdy Razor, he goes, bet it big, Celtics win by 10-plus tonight. And then I uh, (laughs) sent back a a gif of Jalen Brown kind of with a mean mug and a half flex going, go Bucks, go Jalen Brown shooting threes. (laughs) (laughs) And then he, he came back with, Celtics win by 10 Jalen Brown threes is a lock. Yeah, and there it is. Craig, I hope you bet the uh, the Boston, what are they, four and a half they were favored by the Celtics? Yep. So I hope you bet that, Craig, and then I hope you went with Rowdy and the Razor's Edge with Jalen Brown. What was the other, you said, you didn't, I mean, you said you liked it, but it wasn't a suggestion on the Razor's Edge. It was Edge. Giannis over six and a half assists, which he finished with seven. Okay, so there, I mean, you did you bet that too? I did not, but I also had other things going on last night, so I only had my one in the morning and then kind of forgot about a lot of stuff. 
Yeah. Well, he already got his haircut, too. All of them caught. Man's looking dapper today. Uh, I ran into a listener at Chicken Licks on Sunday, and he had asked me, or maybe that was Saturday at the Dells, one or the other. I was running into a bunch of listeners over the weekend. I love all of you guys. Someone had mentioned you've been looking pretty disheveled lately, Rowdy. And you said what you hadn't got a haircut till like early February. What was the last time you had a haircut? Yeah, I think it was mid February. Mid February. Rowdy, Rowdy, no longer disheveled, looking very dapper, very handsome. My guy Rowdy over here, haircut looking good. Rowds, disheveled is my go-to look, especially at six in the morning. <laughs> yeah, when you're getting your ass up that early. I mean, listen, there's a we have a sister station here in the building, Midwest Family, ninety-three-one Jams, and Krista. Her name's Krista. She's the morning show host on ninety-three-one Jams. I don't know what time she gets up, but it's got to be a lot earlier than Rowdy and I because when she comes in, she is dressed to the nines like she is a red-haired Barbie, Rowdy. Uh, couldn't be me. Full makeup, hair done, hairspray, blow-dried, you know, it's got some good-looking clothes on. I mean, more power to you, Krista, but I don't think they stream anything, Rowdy, like we do at Twitch.tv. I think they're just radio. But, hey, look good, feel good. I wake up in the morning. I throw on clothes. Most of the time, it's the same studio sweatshirt. The studio sweatshirt? I go into the bathroom, put on some deodorant, brush my teeth, <laughs> grab my water bottle, maybe a, a snack if I d- decide to bring one in that day, and I go to work. You uh, you, uh, you pet the dogs before you go? I do, because they're always downstairs. So, <laughs> Yeah, what do I do? I My alarm goes off. I let out a big sigh of, uh, and then once my feet hit the ground, I go upstairs. I make the coffee, brush the teeth, put the deodorant on, put the clothes on, go uh, a little more, get whatever food I got, pack my gym bag, pack my laptop up, pet the kitty cats, then I'm out the door, just like Rowdy. It is nice, though, dude. I'll tell you this. It was um, really bright this morning driving in. The brightest morning in say, a long time. How, how awesome is that? And we had sunshine last night. Sunshine. It, the clouds broke and the sun came through. And it wasn't until like, what, 8 o'clock? A little before, after 8 was the sunset. Absolutely beautiful. And then getting up this morning, uh, driving into work. I was I was a little late this morning. Was nothing, nothing crazy. I actually forgot my streaming stuff, my laptop and everything. I was halfway to work and I'm like, oh God, I forgot my streaming stuff. So I turned around and got it. But as I then was coming back to work after being a little late, the sun out, it was beautiful. And it made me think about the Milwaukee Bucks, Rowdy. The sun came up the next day. It's the NBA playoffs. Just because the Bucks got totally shellacked and spanked around TD Garden doesn't mean the world is over. Though now the world could be over in many other facets of life. But in the NBA playoffs for the Milwaukee Bucks, they're still marching on, Rowdy. It's one well, of these. Well, then hopefully if you look at the future forecast, it doesn't, uh, it's one doesn't, piece. It doesn't spell any other disasters for the Bucks because it's supposed to rain the next two days too. Yeah, but here, how about this? <laughs> on, Saturday, on Saturday when the Bucks play, 65 degrees and partly cloudy, allegedly. We'll see if that changes. All right, so I got comments coming up. We got Giannis, we got Mike Boonholzer, Pat Connaughton. Uh, Pat Connaughton said a dream come true, Rowdy, about, you know, he's from the Boston area, is he not? Oh, hell, that's a Boston name. I put that Pat in the Connaughton. message. Put yeah, that in did. the message to Paul. You go, let's be honest, with a name like Pat Connaughton, he should be playing for the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Oh, Craig is listening. Craig with the three money bags. That a boy, Craig. I'm glad you got the, I hope you took that to the window and cashed that out, big homie. Well done. And then Dominic tweets in and says, let's get some warm weather for golfing. <laughs> I don't want to, well, I'm not letting the cat out of the bag, but I want people to start putting this on the frontal lobe. Start thinking about it. Rowdy, nothing nothing in stone, nothing even in pencil yet. But can you tell the folks what we got green lighted? Yeah, I did get the okay to do another zone outing for the summer. So sometime this summer, we will be doing a golf outing. After what, a year hiatus? Yeah, we got to see. We got to do one in summer of 2020, but then was put on hold and shelved for 2021. 2021. Yeah, but after a year off, we were given the green light again. Nothing, nothing in pen, nothing no in dates, pencil. No dates, nor no courses picked out. But the the uh, go ahead was given. Yep, we were given the green light. I think I think we know the course. We just got to make sure that some dates work out, right? Have a good idea of the course, or at least the handful of courses that it'll be. Yep. So Dominic and Craig, I know you're a golfer too. I've seen your profile picture, brother. We are going to have 
a golf tournament, a golf event in the works, green-lighted yesterday. Rowdy is going to go get a little lay of the land. What? Uh, well, it's supposed to rain tomorrow. I thought you said Thursday, but. Yeah, it probably ends up being next week or two weeks. Rowdy's going to get a, we got some ins before we're going to be. Rowdy, that's his home base. I got some family ties. Rowdy, you got some family ties, I think, too. So we got ourselves a nice little golf event cooking. So Dominic, get your, get your ass ready, brother. You too, Craig. You can, all those winnings you got with the Celtics and the Jalen Brown and whatever else, you can maybe uh, get some rounds for the boys out there for the foursomes. All right, also, Nelly, we got ourselves a little Milwaukee Brewers action today. How about the big woo? That's this, It's not summer yet, is it? No, it's still spring. Slump-busting spring going to be into slump-busting summer. As we were talking yesterday, the big hot-button issue, Rowdy, we had someone call in yesterday um, got their numbers crossed. They were trying to get a hold of a different station. We were talking about the big, um, what is it, the big abortion topic at hand right here. And I told the guy who called in, I'm like, I think he called the wrong radio station. He goes, oh, yeah, I was actually searching for this. But then I asked him, Rowdy, and you asked him as well, are the Brewers going to what to the Reds? Are they going to abort to Reds? <laughs> and The guy said, yeah, well, on the phone. Well, one... They got to win. Remember how we, I think it was towards the end of the show, we were giving our predictions Mm -hmm. about how the series would go with the Reds. Sweep, sweep, And I think uh, you and and Ben wanted to sweep, and I go, I'll just take two out of three all day and just continually be consistent and win series. But I said, the blind bet of the series is to blindly bet the Milwaukee Brewers on the run line all three games. Mm -hmm. Well, that first blind bet would have cashed last night. They win by three runs, 6-3, Willie Adamas, another home run. Another Team one. leading six. Another one. And how about the big, woo, Brandon Woodruff. Tied his career high 12 strikeouts for Brandon Woodruff. Hell yeah. So uh, we got some brewers uh, on the brain. <laughs> you know what else was pretty funny? When we were talking about the Reds and how <laughs> this was a pretty bad roster, and they put Joey Votto on the IL before the game. Mm-hmm. So he was not even available. He's the one longtime red name that anyone that's casual to the sport will actually know. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about some of the other guys that have been good in the past, Tommy Pham and Mike Boustakis. And I said, yeah, both of those guys are pretty washed at this point. (laughs) Both turn back the clocks and have good games. (laughs) I know. Um, I saw a lot of people on Brewers Twitter saying like, man, I miss Boustakis. I miss Moose. And a lot of other people saying, I think Moose probably misses Milwaukee too. So, yeah, turning back some clocks. Brewers get a win. They're back at it 640 today. I mean, Moustakis is batting 213. Hey, he'd, be, he'd fit right in with the Brewers. <laughs> He's dude. batting 213, but he had a hell of a game yesterday. There's something about that with the Brewers. The Brewers are like sometimes the cure-all uh, for some guys in slumps. Well, that was the thing. So Woody came out, obviously he pitched well. He went uh, five and two-thirds, gave up three runs, only four hits, no walks. So finally... It looks like Woody's rounding back into form as well after that first hiccup in his first start of the season. Mm-hmm. Twelve strikeouts. Did you see that was three st- three straight starts with ten plus strikeouts from a, a Brewers he's starter? He's a beast, dude. But uh, the one thing that uh, he ran into was he served up two solo shots. Yeah, you take away those two solo home runs. Well, I mean, Woody had a phenomenal game. Yeah, and and Brewers. I mean, Brewers. there may or may not have been some missed calls on uh, the Tommy Pham home run that probably should have got him out of there before he was able to hit mm. it. So we'll talk some Brewers Reds coming up here. Just Brewers in general. And uh, Rowdy actually, well, not actually. Rowdy always got has good points. We were talking. We had fielded some calls yesterday. Um, people that got the number correct, not like that one guy who was trying to reach uh, another station that was political talk. We're sports talk. But uh, a couple other people called in saying, like, how bad the NL Central is and how the Brewers are just pretenders and going to be frauds. And then, Rowdy, you brought up something because the, the Brewers haven't played the Reds yet until last night. Well, that was the first time they played them all yeah, year. Yeah, they, they had a lot of games against the Cubs and the Pirates, but that's how the schedule shaked up in April. And, yes, they went 3-3 three and three against the Cubs. They went 6-0 and oh against the Pirates. But everyone's saying how... The central is bad. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It's not great. Yeah. But then everyone was talking about how great the West was. Obviously, that has the Dodgers. That has the Padres, the Giants, three teams last year that played really well. Rockies, we know, added a few pieces. And then Arizona. That's the division that was playing the Reds. 
And no one talks about that, do they, Rowdy? That they're just beating up on the Reds. Yeah, the, I mean, the the Reds started out their April playing the the West. Yeah. So, and guess what? They didn't do very well. <laughs> they're also not very good. No, the Reds are 3-20. and 20. I mean, uh, I'm looking at what the Reds did. They went 0-4 against the Dodgers, 0-6 against the Padres, 0-3 against the Rockies. Let's so just they, name them Owen. So they are a combined 0-10 against the West. We call them the, instead of the Cincinnati Reds, they're the Owen Reds. Owen Reds. Yeah, so we'll get into some baseball today when it comes to that. Uh, sure, the NL Central, not great. I understand that. We understand that. But here's the thing. You still got to play the it games. Is, it is kind of funny, though, that they uh, they do say how the Mets are, are playing really good baseball this year, which they are. I mean, they're 18-8. and eight. Huh. They, they spent an A grade. They spent a ton of money in the offseason. And here are the records of the teams that are not the Mets in the NL East. Because I don't necessarily think the NL East is that great either right now. Miami, 12 and 11. Philly, 11 and 13. Ben Kenny bitches about him every day he comes in. Yeah, they're frauds, he says. Frauds. Atlanta, defending champ, 11 and 15. Mm. Washington, completely rebuilding with a bunch of, uh, outside of Juan Soto, a bunch of has-beens or never-will-bees. Nine and sixteen. <laughs> you you take honestly, you take away hey, we'll, we'll the, the Milwaukee we'll Brewers, the St. Louis Cardinals. You have Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Chicago. Pittsburgh's and and Chicago, nine and thirteen, nine and fourteen. It's not any worse than some of those other teams well, in, in other divisions. We'll compare and contrast coming up here. So yesterday we were talking about the twenty eighteen draft class. That was Brian Gutekunst's first time as GM, and that was highlighted by Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, and it went to the wide receiver, J. Mon Moore, Cole Madison, J.K. Scott, MVS, St. Brown, James Looney, Hunter Bradley, uh, Kendall Donerson. And at the time in 2018, the draft grade was an A. Yeah, now you look at it, and I know we talked about this one briefly, but Jair Alexander is, is a top-five corner in the league when healthy. Josh Jackson was an absolute bust, and you end up swapping him for like a the fifth corner with the Giants. Was that Isaac Yedem or whatever? Yeah. Neither of which worked out. Oren Burks really never could stay healthy, and he never kind of uh, played up to the position that they thought he would. Mm-hmm. Jamon Moore never even made the roster. Cole Madison is the offensive lineman whose quarterback in college committed suicide, and then he never mentally got right. J.K. Scott was good for a year and a half and then flamed out hard. What happened to him? MVS, He's a decent He's player. A frustrating, but decent. St. Brown, end of the roster, receiver. James Looney never really did anything. I don't even think he made the roster. Hunter Bradley was a long snapper for a few years until he was unseated last season, and Kendall Donerson never really did yeah. anything. So you go back and look. The Really, the only players that contributed is Jair Alexander, J.K. Scott for like a year and a half, and MVS and St. Brown. Yeah. I, I gave that, that, looking back on it now, I give that draft a C-, and mostly because you got Jair Alexander. Yeah. And obviously that's the first one. That was four years ago. They said you can't judge a draft class until three to four years. But, I mean, looking at it four years ago, yep. it only has one player left on the Green Bay Packers. And, and he's that's really good at what Jair he does. Alexander. So let's move to 2019 then. This this draft was uh, a lot of inside jokes and people in Rowdy's mentions constantly. It was born. The 2019 draft class, the Packers trade up in the first round and get out of Michigan, Rashawn Gary. Then it also went Darnell Savage Jr. in the first round. In the second round, Elton Jenkins. Third round, Jace Sternberger. Fifth round, Kingsley Kiki. Sixth round, Kadar Holman and Dexter Williams. And then rounding out the seventh round, Ty Summers. Rowdy, in 2019, the grade that this was the consensus given, the overall grade, was a A. So back-to-back A's for Brian Gutekunst. Back-to-back A's for Brian Gutekunst. In his first two seasons. Me personally, everyone knows, not a fan of Rashawn Gary. At the time or now? I think he's gotten better each season. But at the time, did not like the pick. He was a project at 12. This was a team that was coming off a brutal season. Highest pick in years. Wanted an impact player right away. Mm -hmm. And if you remember correctly, they had just signed both Smiths 
to play outside linebacker. Yep. And Gary was like, he, wasn't he a little injured and he was a project and yada, yada, yada. And I was, I was pretty like, eh, I don't mind the Darnell Savage draft pick. And I don't think anyone really argued with Elton Jenkins, but no one was like, oh yeah, great pick. Yeah. Like just completely. I actually liked Jay Sternberger coming out of so Texas a and man, was that flamed out hard. And I, I also didn't mind Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame and Ty Summers out of TCU. Now you go back and look at it. Pretty good draft. I'd probably yeah, give totally. this draft a, a solid. I wouldn't give it an A, but I would probably give it a, a B plus. Yeah. I mean, you got Rashawn Gary, who's now on the in big. your top two at outside linebacker. Darnell Savage has been a starter in the league his, his entire career. Elton Jenkins is probably the most versatile and most valuable offensive lineman on this Green Bay Packers roster when healthy. Sternberger flamed out hard. Yeah, he's where is he now? Is he on the football practice or? squad for the Steelers? Last I checked, uh, yes, 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 yes. Kingsley Kiki was okay in a rotation, but he's no longer on the roster. Kadar Holman never really caught on. He was traded. And then uh, Dexter Williams was awful. Ty Summers, a nice little special yeah. teams oh, totally. piece. He was nice. Actually a really good pick in the seventh round for a guy that has made it all four years on the pretty roster. Good draft from Gutekunst. Yeah, I'd, I'd give that one a, a B plus. No, at the time, at the time given an, an overall grade of an A was a good consensus, and the year before in 2018, an A. Well, reevaluation 2018, C minus, D plus. But then 2019, still kind of in line with what it was given an A, more of like what you said, B plus. I said Rowdy. I'd give it a B plus. Jay Sternberger, probably the biggest. If Sternberger could have been at least all right, that would have been a that would have been an A. Mm-hmm. Continuing on. Now looking at the two, and what a draft this one was. This drove a certain individual to drink. <laughs> Aaron Charles Rogers had to pour four fingers of tequila just to get through this draft. Why? Because with the first pick, the Packers traded up and got one Jordan Love. The uh, <laughs> at the time thought the heir apparent. Uh, then they would get Quadzilla, the quad father himself, AJ Dillon in the second round. Then. Uh, tight end half. What is Josiah DeGuara? Like, what is he? Well, originally being drafted out of uh, Cincinnati. What is he? They thought that he was going to be kind of more of like that, that H back, yeah, kind of like the cross between a tight end and a fullback. So that was the third. He's really round. been more of a tight end. And that was the third round was Josiah DeGuara. Uh, in the fifth round, it would be Kamal Martin. Sixth round, John Runyon. Sixth, again, Drake Jake Hansen beefing up that line. Then the sixth round, they're not done yet. Simon Stepaniak. Then in the seventh round, they went Vernon Scott. And then Jonathan Garvin. Yeah, I wasn't really in love with this draft either. I would have, I at the time gave this, if I think it was like about a C, a C at best. I mean, the Jordan Love pick was a head scratcher. You'd, especially with how Aaron Rodgers seemed like he went from 2018 where the relationship between him, McCarthy, and we'll just say the front office in general seemed like it was breaking down, had his worst season of his career, but then he followed that up with 2019 with a bounce back year. Yeah. And then you went and all of a sudden draft Jordan Love. That was the head scratcher. So, I thought A.J. Dillon was it, probably... Real, real second. In 2020, the grade that was given at the time, a D. Last in the NFL, a D was the overall grade for the Green Bay Packers. Last, a D. Yeah, I I gave it a little bit of a benefit of the doubt because remember I was higher on Jordan Love than a lot of people, but I w- I wasn't planning no. on them drafting a quarterback. I was beside myself. I was with Rogers drinking. Was it tequila? Probably brandy. So yeah, that was that, yeah, was, was, Randy. A, that was a head scratcher question mark on why they actually drafted a quarterback after that. I thought they probably went and drafted AJ Dillon a little high. Mm-hmm. I understood the Deguara pick, but thought that they draft overdrafted him just because they need they had a need at tight end. I understood the Kamal Martin pick, but I didn't like it because they had a need at inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. I did like Runyon, and then they that you can't really argue with going on three straight um, offensive linemen because they needed offensive line help as well. But I wasn't like in love with taking three guys in the sixth round Runyon I thought was a decent kind of dark horse. And then the seventh round, you got uh, Vernon Scott didn't really have many opinions on him and, and Garvin actually had some flashes at Miami. So I thought, eh, 
decent like little value decent, yeah little but value now you pick. look at it jordan love is still a huge question mark yeah what is he aj get dylan was a solid pick beast deguara hasn't been healthy and when he has been on the field outside of his first few games his rookie year has not been great kamal he's martin not bad though his no is no longer on the team nope, he's peaced out john runyon's been good jake hansen was on the practice squad Stepaniak no longer on the done. team and Vernon Scott and Jonathan Garvin have been pretty solid special team players. Well, a bad special teams unit, but solid on a bad, but they've unit. been the better yeah, guys on true. the unit. Um, I would say right now, cause I feel like you still have to give Jordan love like a big question mark. What if Jordan love finally gets a chance to play in two years and he is actually good. Yeah. So, I mean, is it obviously it was only two years ago, right? So, I'm keeping it. I'm, I say it was a C then. I'll say, say it's, it's a, a C, C now. Seafood, eat food. Uh, so a C for that. Yeah, because Jordan Love is the biggest question mark. Jordan Love is the head scratcher. A.J. Dillon's awesome. I love A.J. Dillon. And the dude loves Wisconsin. He's given the key to Door County. A.J. Dillon's the mayor of Door County. The guy rules. He partied with my brother out there in uh, Chambers Island. My brother Sammy Doogie, Rowdy, of all people. Doogie. Send me a picture of him and this dude. He's like, he's like, do you know who this is? I'm like, what are you guys doing on like a pontoon on Chambers Island chugging beer? Like, what are you doing with A.J. Dillon on Chambers Island? It was wild. But yes, uh, Deguara, I don't know. Jury's on him. Martin, where did he even, whatever happened to him? Like, Got I know cut last year. He was hurt for a while, then he was okay. He make the squad last year. And then year. he was just cut. Cut. And he actually played a decent amount yeah. the year before. I, was it, I think there was something more to it than, I don't, I don't know, whatever. And then I guess Vernon Scott, Jonathan Garvin, decent for special Well, teams, what they did know. is they signed um, Devondre Campbell. They had Chris Barnes who flashed more than Kamal Martin flashed the year before. Yeah. And they're like, remember they were going to run him out at outside linebacker and he really didn't catch on there? Yeah. Yeah, they straight up cut him. I will do the 2021 draft class in the 9 o'clock hour. We've already got Jocko coming up. And then we'll just revisit it all very briefly and just talk about Brian Gutekunst and his GMing prowess. Uh, Right now, a lot of the draft grades that happen when the draft happen, some holding up, some not holding up. This one in 2020, I know it was only two years removed. Jordan Love is the ultimate question mark. Like, what? You got to think that's not going to work out. See, like I said, I I give it a C then. I give it a C now. Yeah. It could go to an F. Real quick. Or or a D if Jordan Love is a complete bust. Yeah. Like, really, right now, you look at it, you got a solid running back in A.J. Dillon. You got a solid offensive lineman in John Runyon. And you got some decent special teamers, but... You didn't get a whole lot out of your first three picks, and normally those top 100 picks are where you get a lot of your impact players, and there's yeah. not a whole lot of impact between Jordan Love and Josiah DeGuara. Obviously, you got to wait three to four years, four years, before you can say how good a draft actually was. But now, looking at 2021, here you go. Eric Stokes, first round. Josh Myers, second round. Amari Rogers, third. Royce Newman, fourth. Double up in the fifth. To Daryl Slayton and Shamar Jean Charles, double up in the sixth, Cole Van Lannan, Isaiah McDuffie, and then in the seventh, Kylan Hill. And Rowdy, in the consensus for that grade, an A. See, I, I gave it a B, and it was because, if you remember going back to 2021, everyone was still waiting on the receiver, right? Mm-hmm. And then they took Eric Stokes. Now, Eric Stokes, last year, graded out as a pretty above-average, solid cornerback especially for a rookie coming in and having to play on the outside right away Josh Myers came in solid center that came in and started right away Amari Rogers this was a guy that you were hoping could become something he was uh, disappointing to say the least but Royce Newman stepped in and played right guard Mm -hmm. that's a starter that you probably weren't necessarily expecting that in the fourth round to Daryl Slayton aka TJ Slayton was a guy that came in and flashed a little bit on the defensive line, gave you something. And then Gene Charles played a little bit in the secondary. Van Lannan never really touched the field. McDuffie, special team guy. Kylan Hill, special team guy, but great value. Because remember, he was supposed to be drafted much higher than that, but had some off-the-field issues and uh, an injury his last year in college. And let's not forget, he actually brought a little bit of juice 
as that number three running back and kick returns. But he tore his ACL literally like two seconds after uh, Bob Tunyon tore his ACL same game. So I actually looking back on this, I I give it a B then. I I think this one, you got Eric Stokes, who looks like he's going to be a longtime contributor at corner. Josh Myers looks like he most likely will be on that line for the rest of his contract. Amari Rogers still a question mark. We'll get a better grade on him this year because he's going to be forced into more action with the current roster. Yeah. Royce Newman came in and was a starter. Slayton gave you a little bit of, of depth at the defensive line. Same thing with Gene Charles in the secondary. Van Lannon was just a bottom of the uh, rotation. Uh, offensive lineman really didn't contribute. But McDuffie played decent on special teams, and same with Kylan Hill until the injury. You pretty much got everyone in that draft contributed to your football team last year outside of Cole Van Lannan. Yeah. And now we wanted more out of Amari Rogers, but if you would have flipped, say, I don't know, uh, Royce Newman and Amari Rogers being the third and the fourth round picks, you'd be like, Oh, the third round pick in Royce Newman got, was a starter, the fourth rounder in Amari Rogers. Yeah. He wasn't that great, but they're flipped you're expecting more out of a guy that was a top 100 pick. Definitely more to more to come year two, because there's going to be some guys that take a huge jump. There's going to be some guys that take a step back, but I think after one season, I'll give, I'll give that draft an a minus just because he nailed so many contributors. And now obviously we're still going to wait, like what's going to happen. But right now you'd say er early returns of that draft early returns, a minus just because everyone drafted contributed to that team pretty much except for Cole Van Lannan. So some of these draft grades, I mean, you got to wait four years till you can really, because the average NFL career is three and a half years. And right now the only one in 2018 draft was probably Brian Gutekunst is what? What do you think you want out of a draft? Three good players out of a draft after four years? Yeah, if you can get three to four players that contribute, I'd say you did your, you're at least average. In 2018 you got one. And it's been four years. Yeah, that's that's, and that's by Jair far, Alexander. That's by far Goody's worst draft, and it's and he still nailed arguably a top five player on the Green Bay Packers when healthy. Yeah. Jair Alexander. Yeah. This guy right here in Boston from Nesson, our guy, the man, the myth, the legend himself. I was actually doing a little back and by in the gym yesterday, and I thought it just dawned on me. This dude's got biceps that are just rippling. I don't know. He's got to get a tailor to fix him every time he flexes on air. George Belletti. George, good morning. Ebo, uh, bad radio. I was flexing as you were giving me that intro because that's what the Celtics defense just did to the Bucks. Well, I could hear the airwaves squeezing a little bit. It was like <laughs> rushing. George, all right. Sleeves ripping too. So we, you had joined Ben and I when we were, we were filling in for Bill Michaels. What was that last Friday, uh, Thursday? <clears throat> and I did a Terminator quote to you in speaking about Giannis and the Kumbo. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm probably going to hear more Terminator quotes coming up on Wednesday when I join Ebes and, and Rowdy and Ben. But how about this? I do have one for you, George, after we're licking our wounds today. Since the series is shifting back to Milwaukee for game three on Saturday, here's Giannis. I'll be back. He's coming. He's coming in Milwaukee for you guys. So, George, you were down. Were you at TD Garden last night? I was not. I was watching from the comfort of my couch. I'll be at TD Garden for game five, though. You okay. Know, series clinching. Got you. I was going to say, like, how electric was it as uh, shot after shot just kept raining down from friggin' Jalen Brown, dude. Oh, my God. So as you're watching, what what are the Boston Celtics? Are they somewhere in between what we saw last night, not missing a shot, and what was game one where they couldn't make a shot? Are they somewhere in between, or are they more closer to what they were last night or more closer to what they were in game one? No, they're definitely closer to game two. Now, I'm not going to say Jalen Brown's going to go out, shoot five for five from three in the first half, and just have his way with an offense every time, because at the same time, he only scored four points in the second half. So what Jalen Brown did for them, though, was crucial for them to get this win. Because in game one, it was either paint, it was layup, dunk, or three, or bust. There's no mid-range game. What Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were making sure to dictate, and Emo Doka said it to them, was find that mid-range spot. Because they work the pick and roll well, but what we have with the Brooke Lopez and the Giannis and the Bobby Portis, where they're going into the drop zone defense, you got to have that middle ground because they're either playing that they're going to drive to the rim or do a dump-off pass. You're going to have that space in the mid-range game, and that's what Jalen Brown took advantage of. So all of a sudden, you make a two-layer defense become three-zoned on that front. What Jalen Brown did was he was unconscious, and he said it 
after the after the game one where he played absolutely terrible. He forgot how to play basketball in game one. <laughs> he was locked in. He showed up to the arena, TD Garden, first one there, four hours before, locked in, was the first one on the floor shooting. And in the first half, that is what translated. Second half, he cools off. Jason Tatum had 19 points in the second half, 10 points in the fourth quarter. That's what this team has been. They will defend you. They will bust your ass. I'm sorry if I can't curse on the radio. You can say ass, 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 ass. They will bust your ass. I'll say it again. (laughs) And they will find those great shots. They were very rushed in game one. Defensively, they were overhelping on Giannis, not rotating back to their guy. That's what was giving the Bucs great looks. But I'll say this, and I'm not messing with you at all. After game one, the final score is 101-89. And I looked at that, just the final score. And games are more than the box score. But I said the Celtics can win by only allowing 101 points because that's how good their defense is. Their offense needs to step up. Their defense went twofold. Their offense showed up even better, and it showed a 109-86 win last night. George Belletti joining us right now from Nesson uh, down in Boston. So, George, um, Giannis Dendekumbo, I saw your guys' head coach talking about how it's, it's not Wilt Chamberlain down there. That's got to be a little bulletin board material for Giannis Dendekumbo. But speaking of Giannis, tell us more about Grant Williams. Is this guy like the Giannis stopper? What is going on with Grant Williams? No, there's two Giannis stoppers that call Boston home, not one. Now, you gave me a Terminator line. I'll give you a Rocky 2 line. Oh. Mickey meets with Rocky before he's about to take on Apollo, and he goes, you need to go knock that guy's block off. And what does Rocky say to him? Dead looks him in the eyes and says, absolutely. That was email Doka to Al Horford and Grant Williams yesterday because what those two did, they've become the Giannis stoppers. We can take care of them one-on-one. They're strong enough to stay square, stay in front of them, They don't need the help defense, so that doesn't allow for easy passes for Giannis. That's what happened in game one. They were overhelping with the double teams, even after he picked up his dribble, and then the guy goes out and has 13 assists. Giannis can still find those passing lanes. He's still a great playmaker. That's where he's really grown in his game. But when Grant Williams and Al Horford can take care of him one-on-one and not make anything easy in the paint, then also make his life hell outside of the paint, as he shot two for eight outside of the paint as he did last night, and you make no, you don't give the Bucks any easy looks from the rest of the four guys on the floor. That's what makes this defense show up. So Giannis can go ahead, go get 28 points. It's going to take you 27 shots to get there. Go ahead, get 25 points in game one. It's going to take you 25 shots to get there. That's because Al Horford and Grant Williams one on one can slow him down. I'm saying Giannis stoppers. They're Giannis preventers let's go with that <laughs> they're Giannis slower down he's slower great, downers. Man. he's great yeah. he is great he is he is one of the best talents I've ever seen go on the floor he's unlike any athlete I've ever seen play basketball he's, he's before but there comes a point it's no longer the wall you have to build it is do you have a guy that can take care of him one-on-one and take away those easy assists from him and that's what the Celtics have done George, Ben Kenny here. Good to talk to you again. Uh, so in the first round series... I think he knows your voice. It, I, I know. It was a joke. Okay. I, in the first round series, the Bulls ended up taking 10 more threes against the Bucks than they had throughout the regular season on average. This series, the Celtics averaged around 37 during the regular season. In the first two games, they took 53s and then 43. Obviously, game one, none of them went in. Last night, a lot of them did. Do you think that's, I mean, it's clearly a Bucks defensive strategy. Like, they're going to give the three-point line. Do you think that's a, a strategy, I guess, for Boston that can lead to wins on their end? Yeah, for sure. Now, they took 53s in game one, but they made 18. So they shot 36% from deep. They'll take that. Game two, they shot 43, made 20. That's 47%. That's what the Bucks want you to do. They turn you into a jump-shooting team. Because of Brooke Lopez, because of Bobby Portis, because of Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's a redwood forest in the paint waiting for your drivers. What the Celtics were doing in game one is they were driving, picking up their dribble, panicking when they saw the bigs, rushing bad shots. What they were also doing was when they would find those open threes, those shots were even rushed, as crazy as that sounds, because the Bucks knew what they were doing on who to leave open from three. In game two, you saw open looks from three being passed out because what Ime Odoka said and what the Celtics executed was more than one drive per possession. So they're going to live with that because you give their shooters open looks, they will make a flourish. And what Ime Odoka did geniusly, in my opinion, hey, guys, hand up, hand to God, hand to Arnold Schwarzenegger, hand to Rocky Balboa. (laughs) I thought the Celtics were absolutely screwed when Marcus Smart was out an hour before tip because – He's their facilitator. He runs the offense. He's their main primary ball handler. 
and the Celtics looked like garbage against the Bucks' pressure. That meant Derek White had to be on the floor more. What he did, and Derek White forgot how to play offense. He did. He could still handle a little bit and pass, but he can't shoot or even make layups. What they're doing really well, and I'm expecting Mike Budenholzer to counter this in game three, Derek White drives. A guy like Al Horford or Grant Williams backfills where he was. They have an outlet pass and then back to where Horford was, and he just falls behind and replaces the shooter. It's fundamental. It's principal basketball, but he's taking away Derek White as a shooter but keeping them him there as a playmaker, a ball movement guy. So basically, go ahead, attack the paint, get to the rim, draw Brooke Lopez and Giannis and force him to crash, but have those two passes, not just one, to find that open look. It's going to force the Bucks to go sideline to sideline, move, be rangy, and it's really going to force their defense to work. I mean, that's the best thing you do. You keep the defense honest by passing the ball, and it keeps them moving, and it keeps them on their heels. Yeah, George Belecci joining us right now from Ness and follow him at uh, Twitter, George Belecci, B-A-L-E-K-J-I. So, George, question for you, brother, and they were staying a lot on the broadcast, too, and it was uh, shades of game one, and you were just kind of you know talking about with the offense. It was the Celtics got that huge lead, obviously, then fell back into the old – habits that they had in game one it's just you pass once and shoot a three pass once and shoot a three is that something that is concerning for boston celtics fans moving forward as this series shifts to milwaukee or is it like it's just a series of making adjustments no that definitely is a concern because we've seen that that was their achilles heel in the first half of the season when mm-hmm. they were an even 500 through 50 games because late in games they fall into iso ball yeah and during the regular season and it's basically because of their first 50 games they had the worst offensive rating and clutch time among the teams that made the postseason. It was under 100. And that's insane because their normal offensive rating was around 116 to close the season. So you see that falling. And yes, that's the Achilles heel. It, it felt like I, I, the third quarter, man, the air was out of the ball. Totally. Slow down a lot, more whistles. But that seemed like what the Bucks wanted to do because that if they slow it down, they make sure they get their good shots and they can make sure to set up their defense on the other end. That's what happened. Yeah, they were forcing those ISO shots. That's what got scary. But then you saw them, in a way, wake up. Jason Tatum, the ball movement got back. You found Tatum on his good looks, and he had 10 points in the fourth quarter. But ISO ball will be the death of the Celtics if they fall into that for a long stretch of a game and even try and open up and get forced into that. Yeah, Uh, I can't wait to see what happens in game three. Um, What's your prediction? I mean, we go in seven, we go in six. Are you thinking uh, Celtics in five? What's what's the Beleshi prediction here? I said Celtics in seven before the series. I'm staying Celtics in seven. Yeah. yeah. And even with Chris Middleton, I would have thought Celtics in seven. After seeing what the Bucs did in game one, I was, you know, I, I didn't hit the panic button yet because the defense still shows up. Offense needs to play better. But what you see with the Bucs is just championship poise, pedigree, moxie. They have the moxie. best player in the world. You see that trickle down to the rest of the guys. I still think Celtics in seven. And it is massive to me that that game seven is at TD Garden. It can't be said enough hey, how important it is. If it goes seven, Cliche, if it goes seven, easy point. If it goes seven, it's that game at TD Garden will look like game one, BTW. Uh, ben Kenny? Did Jalen Brown <laughs> push off Grayson Allen? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes, great. Yes, he did. Right. Okay. So everyone said Ben Kenny to DM Rowdy and I over here, be like, "Oh no, Grayson Allen! Oh no!" He got dropped. Yeah, I mean, he got a little. He was he was a little stutter seven, but he pushed him. He pushed him. Did he, he not, did push, not him? push him? Did he not push him? Every Look, great I, crossover I, includes a minor push. It's a push. That's exactly. Acceptable. It's offensive. Jordan pushed. Jordan pushed. <laughs> exactly, but it's still great. Yeah. Okay. Well, what well, was not great? I kind of felt. Listen, as a Wisconsin Badger fan. It was a hard time to come around to Grayson Allen. Then when I saw Grayson Allen like doing what he did for the Bucks this year, and then like take down the Bulls, I got a little soft spot in my heart for Grayson Allen. When I was watching the broadcast last night, chants of "fu of uh, fu Grayson" were ringing out through TD Garden. You could hear it clear as day over the broadcast. I felt a little bad for Grayson Allen. Can you ease up? Can you tell the Boston faithful um, to ease up a little bit on Grayson? I figured they like a player like him. No shit. I know you would think if he was a Celtic, they would love him. Yeah, they would. Yeah. And he, but you know, he is the classic guy. He's on my team. I love him. If I'm playing against him, I absolutely hate him. The dude went to Duke. He looks like Ted Cruz, and he always goes at people's ankles. He is the easiest guy to hate in the world. Very punchable face. He's got a whole championship from Wisconsin. Add that. Most punchable exactly. face in sports is most punchable face in sports. Uh, I would say uh, Anthony Rizzo, Grayson Allen. Um, George, you got any punchable faces in sports? Mike McCarthy. No, that's a kissable, lovable face. Rowdy, you got a punchable Garrett face Cole. in sports? Garrett Cole. 
Very punchable face. <laughs> does, I think he, it's all the whole attitude. He does have a punchable face. Yadi Molina. Oh, Yadi Molina. Oh, yes. wow. That's, that's, a de- that's a good one. He would punch back, like, immediately, though, you know. Uh, George. That's, that's what I was just thinking. I would not want to scrap him. <laughs> hey, George, before I let you go, I, I'm looking at your, your your beautiful Twitter account. I love I love the profile picture as much as Ben was ragging on it on uh, last Thursday. I, I love the cover photo. I love the, yeah, the cover photo, excuse me. I love the suit. Like, what is what is it? You got, you got, look at uh, is that, what, sawtooth, what, or what is that? What is that pattern? Anyways, I'm looking here, Jason Tatum, uh, excessive tape job on his left hand, and then you also have Marcus Smart out with the uh, injury, and then I saw uh, what Brown uh, kind of caressing his, his hamstring a little bit. What's the injury situation looking like for the Celtics? Uh, for Jason Tatum, he just said there was a little bit of swelling when he fell, but that's preventative. Uh, Tatum played through. He looked good in the fourth quarter. These three days are crucial. I mean, hey, for the Bucks, it's huge. Maybe Chris Middleton can come back. I know he was reportedly ruled out. But it's big for Marcus Smart to take care of his quad contusion because he didn't get any better from the end of game one to when he walked into the arena this morning on his leg with the swelling. He had a stinger. And then, like you mentioned, Jalen Brown for the hamstring. So Jalen Brown, he's good. Jason Tatum, he's good. No update on Marcus Smart. But these next three days, I hated it as a fan. Yeah. But in the war of attrition that is the NBA playoffs, having three days off and then a 3 o'clock tip on Saturday, that gives them so much time to rehab and recover for game three. So no updates in Boston. There's no updates in Milwaukee for your guys either with George Hill and Middleton missing the first two games. But these three days are going to be huge for those, those both sides. I think I speak for everyone on this one. George Hill can stay on the bench. He can stay in the uh, yeah. dress clothes. He, and he looks good in them. He can continue on. Speaking of looking good in clothes, George... My man, the suits on point, the manscaping on point, the My man. the sculpturing in the gym on point. Yes, Ben? Again, George Belecci, who is not traveling with the team to come here to Milwaukee disappointing. on Saturday. Very disappointing, by the way. George, it is. Ebo, I gave you my boss's cell. You haven't called him yet? <sighs> well, I texted you. That was your job. What? <laughs> but yeah. you said you'd do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, here, how about this? I have something before we let you go, George. You mentioned something on Thursday. And I wanted some folks to hear it, you know, on this highly successful program that goes across worldwide. I got dudes in Hudson, Scandinavia, send me letters, by the way. It's a true story. You said what? With the weather turning around now, it's getting a little warmer out. Sun's coming out today here in Wisconsin. What is it, George? Short, it's what? Short King Spring, Grant Williams, six foot six, locking down all of Giannis. Short, Short King Spring. Short King, King Spring. spring. Short King Spring. George, Rowdy, what do you think of that? I was just going to say, normally if I hear the term Short King, I'm not thinking of a guy that's 6'6". Six, six. No, well, George, but I get the NBA. George is speaking for himself <laughs> here. It. Short King Spring, George, what do you think? Everything, Everything's perspective. If you just surround yourself with Short Kings, Ebo, you would look like you're 7 foot. It <laughs> help your chances. I know I know you're taken. You're no longer a bachelor, but it would help your chances. I'm just saying. Hey, I'm 5'10", 5'11", if I get enough sleep. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, okay. You're you're above me. You're above me. Hey, yeah. boys. Like I said, Short like I said, if Bucks if Bucks pull this off, first three rounds on me, I will come to Mondays and I'll be waiting on that. Front oh patio. Jesus! Oh. oh my God! Oh. All right, first three on you, George, and the next three on me. We won't remember anything. Okay. See you this summer. <laughs> Those vodka sodas, all vodka, Oof. no soda. I love them. Oof. <laughs> hey, just for you and Boss, I'll do a little Jamo, a little Jamie. As Ben Kenny says, little Jamie Ooh. on the rocks. Yes, sir. Hey, I'm George, we I'm love you, brother. It. If we want to follow along with everything you do, how can we do so, my friend? On Twitter, at George Belecki, G-E-O-R-G-E-B-A-L-E-K-J-I-A. Hey, and I'm even on TikTok now. Ebo, if you go to my TikTok, I have your beautiful voice on it. And I'm going to take some snippets from this and post it on there, too. So follow me on TikTok oh my God. as well and Instagram. I'm honored. I'm honored, George. All right, brother. We love you. We'll talk to you later. Love you guys. See you, homie. Fuller with our guy Fuller with a good message in too on uh, punchable faces. Wilson Contreras, oh. how could you f- forget that guy? Yeah. Let the record show I showed George Belecki Mondays. Oh yeah, because he is he initially from Boston? No, where's Jer- he from? Jersey. Oh, oh, that explains a lot. But then yeah, he started working out here. He was here for a couple years. Yeah, La- with NBC last 15. Summer, last summer, we had a beer at the Terrace, and I was like, hey, let's go grab a drink on Mondays. It's like, what's Mondays? And he remembers it. Oh yeah, Did you guys get like just. Did you guys get torqued up? We enjoyed it. Hey, speaking of getting torqued up, our relief pitcher coming up, Ben. A beer of the week. I'm out.